everyone, we're back with episode 181 of the District 3 podcast. My name is Irvin. Um, joining me today is a good friend, Patricia Rodriguez. Patricia, thank you for joining me today. Hola, hola. Irvin, ¿cómo estás? Y gracias I a usted. am good. Um, I know it's been a while since we've been trying to make this happen, so I'm glad you're here on this rainy Tuesday uh, here in Fayetteville at the KUAF studios. Um, and I just kind of wanted to talk to you, catch up, you know, it's been a while since we've talked, so why not catch up on the podcast? For sure. Uh, I mean, like, what better way than to hang out, get creative, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe ask questions we wouldn't normally ask each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. hey, it's, the mic is open. If you if you have any questions <laughs> for me, too, later on in the episode, mm -hmm. I'd be more than happy to answer. Um, but for the folks that don't know you, um, how does your, uh, your, family si your family history um, start here in Arkansas. Where, where did y'all move from? How did y'all get Ooh, here? Okay, we're going back back. Yep, we always start in the back. <laughs> <laughs> so my family arrived in 1988 um, from Chicago. Um, both my parents are from Mexico. My mother is from Aguascalientes and my father is from Zacatecas. Okay. And they met as young, beautiful people in Chicago. And then um, a beautiful baby girl was born mm -hmm. um, and my dad had an opportunity for a job here in Northwest Arkansas um, and he they flew him down here he had a chance to look around and saw that there was an opportunity to buy a house um, different schools and um, what year was that when he got here so he it would have been like 87 88 when this so he was one of the was he one of the first like Latino people here probably at least one of the first Mexicans because I know that there is a history of, you know, people here for like the university or mm, um, maybe people marrying military folks. Um, but we were probably like of the people that grew community in Northwest Arkansas. Um, we were definitely the first of our family. Um, and we can dive into like yeah. how my family grew and expanded. But yeah, I think so. And um, still working class, um, but it was still a d just a different opportunity. Mm. Um, that's I've met your dad, mm -hmm. uh, as you know, just yeah. for people that are listening that don't know. Yeah, and we always have conversations just about um, where things were back then mm -hmm. and how things are right now. Uh, and I really enjoy those conversations because you know it, it kind of sounds like he was one of the first people that was you know working here and has so much knowledge of of how this place has changed mm -hmm. within within that time. Normally, whenever I talk to people that have been here for a long time, the earliest I've ever found, I'm Latino-wise, yeah. it's like mid-90s, yeah. early 90s. But I think your dad's the first person I've, I've spoken with that has been here since the 80s. Mm -hmm. um, that's Latino, that's an immigrant that moved here. So I think that's really cool. Um, so you were pretty much raised here for the most part, right? Absolutely. We moved to Fayetteville, hmm. and I started kindergarten in Fayetteville. There were no ESL classes. Um, I did actually learn recently, though, there was another um, multiracial family in our neighborhood. They, there was like one of the brothers was older than me and one of the brothers was younger than me. Mm -hmm. um, but they were um, Latine and Arabe. Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember the countries of origin. Yeah. So, but um, And I didn't know that. And I feel, I feel bad because it was, they probably felt very singled out and I felt mm. very singled out. Um, but they were in our, we were, we live in this same neighborhood, 
we lived in the same neighborhood and our moms still live in that same mm -hmm. area. Isn't that crazy though? When we're young, we don't think about those kind of things. Mm -hmm. It's just not, it's not really a big issue, but then we get older and we get all this knowledge and we're like, man, you know, like in your case, I wish I would have like maybe no, interacted with yeah. him a little bit more. And, you know, like um, I've had several moments like that too, when um, I look back and, but then I remember that, you know, it took experience. It took new knowledge for me to, to, to learn for me to, to be in the mindset where I'm at now, where I'm like, okay, I've, should have reached out or I should have yeah. had a I better mean, relationship. But with we people. were five. But the fact that you thought about that right now, you're like, man, I should have. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, you know, we were five. I wish I had known, um, you know, and then all of our parents were busy working too, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so we were, you know, we got here, my dad was working in a, in a factory and my mom was a waitress. Um, my tias were living with us. So they were kind of like, my big sisters mm. and this is actually some, a conversation we, we had not too long ago so we would at that time again like I wasn't aware of other Spanish-speaking families yeah. in my entire school there was no there were no ESL there were no um, teachers principals not even the custodians or lunch ladies were were um, Latinos Latinas um, it was you know older sweet white ladies with, you know, big perms and, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, purple and purpley blue, purpley silver hair. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, we, you know, it was just um, a very, I remember like stating to my parents, I like sat in the back of the car and I was just like, hey, I'm going to stop speaking Spanish because nobody here speaks Spanish mm -hmm. and I don't need it anymore. I think it's, it's, um, I think we, we like I know for me for example I feel very fortunate that I went to Sprinkle High School at a time when it was very diverse mm -hmm. so I can imagine well I can't even imagine actually mm -hmm. you know what your experience was like and how that molded you as a person yeah I think so it was some of the things that it did and did not do um, and there are definitely some privileges that I had so both of my parents did go to school for some part of their life in the U.S. Mm. They both speak English. Um, my aunts also speak English and had a lot of their adolescence and childhood in the U.S. So my parents and the adults in my life were already kind of navigating the world in a bilingual and bicultural mm. experience. What do you think, like looking at that, what do you think are the advantages? Like if you if you have a parent that, you know, both parents speak mm -hmm. English, um, how, how do you think that helped you maybe to kind of get a heads up over other people? Yeah. Don't have that? Well, I don't want to call it a heads up, um, <laughs> but... Um, what I would you call it? Yeah, I definitely, I would just say that it was a privilege mm -hmm. because I had a childhood that, that, that I, and I got to have it until, and we'll get to this part of my story later, until I became a parent. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have to fill up bank documents for my, par my parents. I didn't have to go to their doctor's appointments. I didn't, you mm -hmm. know, if they had a, a speeding ticket, I didn't have to do that. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, there, there's some adultification that did not have to happen mm -hmm. in my childhood that I know a lot of my peers and a lot of um, folks in my generation that are my age did have to and after me you know a lot of a lot of kids of immigrants that do have to do that i didn't even think of that when you when you said about them speaking english mm -hmm. i didn't even think that yeah you didn't even have to do that but did you have to do it for other people no well okay so what i did see my parents do um 
they actually, because back then, none of the paperwork was bilingual. Mm -hmm. Banks didn't really have anybody that was bilingual. The DMV didn't have any, you know, there was nothing available in multiple languages. People had to bring their own interpreters Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, they had to take the paperwork with them. And so my parents helped a lot of people set up their bank accounts, buy their first home, apply for jobs, um, look at their benefits, paperwork, and help them navigate stuff. They would go to people's... um, even, um, you know, recently my dad, you know, this was maybe five or six years ago, my dad went with one of his good friends to his daughter's college orientation to help his friend, like, ask questions or just be there to support his daughter. And my dad was like, um, Mija, why didn't I go to your college orientation? I was like, I was 30. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to come with me at 30. <laughs> but, um, you know, so even today, like, my parents are still um, supporting folks. Um, mm. you, you seem to be, like, a, a person that's always trying to help people. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, and I've had different experiences with you, and I know other people have had experiences with you where you hear that someone needs some sort of help, and you're always, you're you're the kind of person that's like, well, maybe you should speak to these people. Mm-hmm. Like, I know these people. You yeah. should talk to them. Um, do you think that, that comes from, from like, what, what you saw your parents do? I mean, yeah. And yes, absolutely. And um, I was a, a young parent. I started, like, a helping job right out of high school at 18. And I learned a lot of systems. I learned a lot of policies and how to navigate those things. And I helped a lot of people. Um, my, my first job was helping people apply for like Medicaid and disability mm. when they were hospitalized. And I did that for about seven years. And um, I worked like directly with um, one of the Medicaid workers. And so, and she was a stickler for policy. Mm. And so I, if I, you know, I learned from like the the most like, policy adhering person Mm -hmm. and so then I figured out how to kind of connect and refer and um, Mm. how to get the right documentation to make sure somebody does get the benefits that they qualify for and definitely seeing my parents um, just you know even in their jobs helping people after hours or helping their friends or because sometimes it's like I may not have the resource or the resource may not exist but it's always worth a phone call it's always worth an ask mm-hmm. um, and you know I, I can offer that and if if nothing comes of it mm-hmm. you know that I at least tried because I, I do feel that part of it comes from our parents mm-hmm. but then I mean there's a moral part in, mm-hmm. in, in us right if if you if you morally think it's right to help people, mm-hmm. then that's some that's an action that we have to take yeah. forward to to help people. Like we're not we're not just gonna do it because our parents did it. But right. um, so besides like your your uh, inspiration from your from your parents and then you know that work experience that you had, what else do you think it is? Like what else? Like oh. why why do you want to help people? Irvin, I'm a Libra. <laughs> okay, <laughs> never mind. That's it. That's all I need to know. Libra son. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So okay. Yes, I'm a Libra. But, um, and so, like, justice is really important to us. Um, mm. But also, me, Patricia Rodriguez. Um, maybe there were times in my life when I was a little girl that I didn't know how to stick up for people. And maybe I still struggle with sticking up for people. Mm-hmm. But I, or sticking up for myself or speaking up. But I can, um, because confrontation is scary and conflict is too. But mm. I can always... Um, offer support in different ways, right? And so I can, I, I, I'm learning how to say like, hey, that was really messed up. Um, 
and I'm learning how to follow up and follow through. I want, I don't know, I wanna just go to sleep at night. Mm. And if I'm in bed all night and I'm just going like, and, and I didn't try to help, um, I will be thinking about it. And mm. you know, if I have a connection, if I have, if I know of a resource or if I know about something, um, I'll, I'll try. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had two experiences um, personally that kind of, I guess I could say lit a fire under my ass. Mm-hmm. That because I've always I haven't I'm not scared of confrontation. I just like to avoid it. Like I just don't. It's exhausting. Yeah, like I don't have the energy for it. And but then there's times where you do have to. You and, and, and now my mentality is different. My mentality is like yes, confrontation. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Yeah. Like I, but. Three years ago, it wasn't like that. You know, there was two moments. One of them was one time. I've said this in the podcast before, but one time we, we were at McDonald's, my mom and I. Mm. And uh, I was already doing activism work like five years, six years in already at this point. And this family came in that didn't speak English. And they were trying to order some food at Burger King. And uh, they were just struggling. They were just look. They were just there. There was probably about six or seven of them. And they looked like, you know, they were really mm-hmm. dark skinned. And they were just looking. And my mom was looking at me and looking at them and uh, they were struggling for like two minutes. And then my mom looks at me and she's like, she's like, wait, don't you help people? Mm. There's these people right here in front of you. Like, why aren't you, why aren't you helping them? Mm -hmm. Made me feel like shit. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I needed that. I needed, so I got up, like my mind was just frozen. I was just looking at them. Not that I wasn't like empathizing yeah i was just kind of like not in shock but just thinking about them i'm like are they gonna get help like what's going on Mm -hmm. i was frozen kind of Mm, like kind of waiting for because there's like two things that could happen right it's like either they already have the skill or the agency you know whether it's mcdonald's or whatever Mm -hmm. like the or the institution is going to respond to meet their need yeah and they had they had latino people behind the counter so i was i was and they nobody was helping them Mm. and i was just kind of just staring at them and it's one of those things where it's sometimes not not that i'm a hero Mm -mm. for what i did for helping them but there's a saying uh that goes like don't wait for a hero like sometimes Mm. you're the hero that you've been waiting for like you're the person that can help yeah you know and strong uh yeah so like um I don't, I guess maybe that is just second nature to me. So Mm. I was at the post office the other day and um, there was just like somebody behind me and um, the guy's like, do you, you know, hablas espanol to the clerk? Mm. And he was like, no. And then I just turned around and I was like, I do. You know, like that's, it just, um, you hablas espanol and I I speak Spanish. And then I was able to, like, it just, um, I don't know, it's just second nature to me. I think um, maybe I have seen people, I have felt lonely at times in my life, um, or I have felt alone, or there have been times in my life where I didn't have an advocate or someone Mm. to speak up for me or just be next to me during really hard times. Mm. And so I don't want other people to have that feeling. Mm. I feel you on that. and I feel like you've always been a resource for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes for us, it can be bad for our mental health, you know, because I know people probably reach out to you in times when uh, maybe not may not be the best time. Yeah. Because I feel like you can relate because I, I, one of the things that I struggle with and I've spoken to my therapist about it is uh, creating a creating boundaries. Mm-hmm. 
and 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 reaching a time where it's like okay by this time like i can't do anything it's it's me time now mm-hmm. and i know that you do that because I, I feel like you're aren't you one of those people that like silences your text yes because i get that little notification when i text you yeah. that's like your, your texts have been silenced i need to do that yeah i silence um so i have my phone on a schedule um so it, it goes on sleep mode at a certain time at night and it doesn't go wake up until a certain time in the morning um when we worked together, mm-hmm. I um, did the same thing to our, my work phone number. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like, if it hit six o'clock, I'm not looking at it unless there was like something pressing. Um, and then I don't get any notifications on my phone from any social media apps. Um, I don't get email notifications on my phone, mm-hmm. like pop-up ones. I have to like go into my phone to look oh, at that's it. Good. Um, I get notifications for weather, text messages, phone calls, Uber Eats, DoorDash, no, and I think that's, um, I do have it for my school email, Okay. Um, but that's it. And one of the, one of the things that I also um, see, like looking back at your work history, you work, you'll work for a lot of nonprofits, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've, is, is most of your, of your uh, professional career has been nonprofit work? So in 2013, I worked for my first nonprofit. Um, and prior to that, I, um, I worked for a for-profit company that helped people, like the one I mentioned, applying for like Medicaid and mm-hmm. disability, but it was a for-profit company. Yeah. Um, and I, that, w- I, that was a job I started with like at 18 years old um, uh-huh. and stayed there until my mid-20s. And then after that, um, I've always been in like medical or I briefly tried to do cell phone sales and I was terrible because I was giving people discounts the, the, <laughs> that were that was basically my commission because I felt bad <laughs> charging people for cell phones. Um, yeah. And so that wasn't great for me financially. <laughs> um, so I'm not a salesperson. Um, and then I started, I worked at um, One Community. It mm. was my first nonprofit job when I was back in school. Mm. And my, how old was I? I don't, I don't want to give away my age. So. <laughs> you don't have to. With, with uh, Papa Rap. I think I already uh, did. <laughs> <laughs> when you mentioned like the, well, I guess we have it. Well, yeah, it's okay. It's people fine. can figure it out it, if they want. It's all right. I'm <laughs> old and hot. <laughs> <laughs> so you you were working at one community. Was it with Papa Rap? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Papa Rap and Dr. Diana Gonzalez Worthen are mm. the co-founders. And I was a program assistant and I learned a lot about nonprofit sector and building relationships and really got to know a lot of organizations actually um, that way. And um, yeah, like I learned so much. Um, So at that time I had gone back to school. I was at the community college. I was a single mom, still um, am a single mom. Um, And I, I wanted to be a teacher then. And so one community was doing work with um, parents and in schools and then working on some uh, literacy programming. And so it aligned with like the want to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. But through that work um, and being in school and um, I respect teachers, I think they're wonderful. However, I realized for me um, that wasn't quite what I wanted to do and um, changed my major to social work. So like nonprofit sector work um, mm. really influenced what I ended up picking for my academic journey. Makes sense. Makes sense. And, and you ended up working with the Bell Project. Mm-hmm. Was it 2021? It was 20, 
2020. 2020? Mm-hmm. Oh, during yeah. the pandemic? Yeah. I lose track of all this time. I forgot no, when I yeah. I, it was August 2020 when I started, I remember. Because actually, I think I quit. It was like exactly like my year anniversary was mm. like my last day there. I'm glad I'm glad you, you joined the team. I was very excited oh, thank about you. you being part of this organization and helping us just because you have so much knowledge, you know, in this in this area and the community in general. Um, what do you what are some of the takeaways that you felt that you took out of, of this job experience? You left you left the Bell Project a few months ago. How long mm-hmm. has it been since you left? It's been um so uh, it was August of 2022 that I left. So you had two years in there. Mm-hmm. Literally, like two years exactly. Um, so yeah, I went back to I went to grad school for mm-hmm. my master of social work, and some of the takeaways. Um, I think this is all of my nonprofit experience, but you know, one of the the pieces is just that a lot of our resources here. Um, Nothing, or I'm sorry, I don't want to say nothing. There are very few resources that just go far enough. Mm. Um, and there, this is going to sound so corny. It's so corny. But, um, you know, substance abuse mm-hmm. and courts, um, addiction, all of that is... Um, it's really hard, and so many people are going through it alone. Mm-hmm. And people really, really need um, some way to build connection, to, f- to find what it can be to have a healthy friendship, um, what it is like to be and feel supported and learn how to really, or learn how to s- genuinely support other people um, non-judgmentally, mm-hmm. um, and people need friends. Like friendship mm-hmm. is the key to all the healing, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion. Like, si- like, sin- and it does, you know, sincere fr- um, friendship um, of no and learning how. What does that look like? And that's really mm-hmm. hard. Um, you know, we're all learning and growing and trying our best. But I think a lot of what what um, a lot of harm from addiction is like harm from our past, right? People yeah. want to numb themselves. And um, once somebody gets, you know, a couple charges in the court system and, um, you know, they have been dealing with addiction and maybe they are coming out of s- some dysfunctional um, patterns and cycles in their families or, or in their friendships, or maybe they never had family. Um, friendship that is non-judgmental, loving, mm-hmm. with boundaries, um, with being the boundaries able, part is hard though. Ba- well, and and boundaries is like me communicating my needs, you communicating your needs, and then saying like this is what. So even us scheduling this, mm-hmm. we tried to schedule this for a while. You mentioned it at the top of the the episode, mm-hmm. and I said, hey, I'm just not going to be available until the week of blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and and you were like, okay, cool, and <laughs> and that that was me communicating my needs and you say you know yeah. being able to accommodate that, and mm-hmm. that's a really simple example. Um, and Do you think? Um, I I don't mm-hmm. know if, if you agree with me. I feel like it was it was I wouldn't say easy, but I feel like you were able to transition into this job pretty good. Like you probably your past experiences mm-hmm. with working with folks, you know, in these systems kind of helped you, you know, 
start the job like running you know yeah do you feel that way oh wow thank you i felt like i was just like fig- like i was constantly figuring stuff out like systems <laughs> and stuff that's a whole different thing right i'm talking about that like the one-on-one contact with people yeah i mean i most of my jobs um and a lot of the volunteer work i have done is has been working with folks who are unhoused folks with substance use disorders um folks that have very complex things going on in their life, that they might be involved in multiple courts at multiple levels. So maybe they have children in foster care and they're dealing with dependency neglect court, Mm. that they are in drug court and then they got district court in Fayetteville, they got district court in Salem Springs, they don't have transportation um, and they live out in Decatur and then they, um, they also don't have anybody in their life that can reliably show up for them. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. and and things can feel really, really hopeless and purposeless. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's why I'm like, I was saying the cheesy thing of like, <laughs> friendship is, a, is I may, and so maybe saying friendship is the key is kind of strong, but it is definitely a really big key. Yeah. Um, um, to be able to find purpose and feel hope. Um, because, you know, how else do you make, a sen- make sense of your life? Um, if you don't have those two things. Yeah, I I learned a lot from each and every one of you that I worked with in the Bell Project, just about how to be more empathetic. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I'm I've already kind of empathetic. I would like to say I'm pretty empathetic, not kind of. Um, but it's a you muscle know, you're exercising and growing. Yeah, like I I know I could be more empathetic, mm-hmm. and I I know I could be more caring and more understanding and more patient. Because I feel like for me, I feel like patience is love. Like to have mm-hmm. patience for people. It's, it's to love people because if you don't love someone or you don't want to give love to someone, mm-hmm. you're not going to have patience. You're going to be like, I'm dipping. Yeah. This is not worth it for me. This stress is not worth it for me. But if you have love, you have you give people grace, you give people patience. And um, starting at this job, I I knew about people in the system because I worked, you know, with a lot of folks with that were undocumented, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get them out, trying to get them uh, stopping their deportation and stuff like that. But this job really, like, helped me understand things even more deeper than I thought I did. You know, something as simple as understanding the homeless community more Mm -hmm. than what I did. I'm not sure if you had any experiences like that where you are already pretty savvy on, you know, the the things that people go through. But was there anything in this job that that when you got out, you were like, man, like, I learned so much about this. And I'm talking about people, not not like systems or anything like that. Um. So one of my first clients, um, one of my first clients that I had at Bill Project, he, um, I hadn't realized this whenever I bonded him out, mm-hmm. but he, um, because it wasn't uploaded in Court Connect, that's a whole, that's a systems <laughs> issue. But yeah. um, when I bonded him out, he actually had already been sentenced on some other charges for prison. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he lived pretty in a rural area and I it was again one of my first people I had bonded out and I had scheduled like a, a lift to go pick him up because that was one of the systems we use I, mm. I scheduled a ride share and um, the ride share actually didn't service as far out as he lived mm. and I think we, I remember this one. yeah we were like on the phone he and I were like talking and I was like okay look, can you try to get here I'm gonna try to get a taxi cab and I was just like calling different places and he walked 12 miles that morning to to meet a taxi cab in a different town as close he walked 12 miles to get to court on time and to to make sure to follow through on 
uh, his end of the agreement of mm-hmm. the, hey, if we bail you out, you're going to go to your court date. And he went to his court date, and then and that's when they arrested him to send for his sentencing for his like to, to send him mm-hmm. off to Arkansas Department of Corrections, and he wrote me a letter, and I, I, he said like thank you for bonding me out because I got to spend some time with my family mm-hmm. before I got sentenced to prison, mm-hmm. and his family was grateful to have him for the time that he was in prison, and, you know. You know, some of the stuff that was on his record were substance use, you Mm -hmm. know, were related to substance use or possession. Um, And, I mean, it's just like if you just show up for people, sometimes they'll let you down. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it is what it is. And and sometimes they'll come back around and ask for help again. And that's, again, kind of saying, like, hey, being honest about, like, this is what I can do. This is what I can't do. Yeah. And, you know, this is a consequence of, of not showing up when we talked before. Mm. Um, but a lot of times if you just um, take a chance on people and show up for them in a genuine way, um, they'll show up for themselves and you. Yeah, I think um, that was one. That's one of the best things about this job is the um, trust building mm-hmm. that you have with folks. Yeah. In. Because we had a lot of situations. I know I had situations where um, when I bonded someone out, we'd have someone in the community say, you know, like someone in, in, in an institution say, mm-hmm. you, sh- you shouldn't bond this person out because they're always missing core, all these different things. And we got those people, got them transportation to court. And they showed up. And they showed up. Their case wow. closed. <laughs> their their right? charges got dropped. Who would have thought that transportation would have yeah. been the key? That's all they needed. A ride. Or a cell phone. A reliable ride. A cell cell phone. phone. Yeah, there's a... Oh, speaking of which, I have some to give back to you that I found. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That's okay. Um, Yeah. um, Yeah, so transportation... uh, Maybe I'll just... Northwest Arkansas, we need a stronger, more Mm -hmm. robust public transportation system. Yes. um, That will help traffic. Mm -hmm. It'll help our quality of life. I would love to jump on a bus and feel safe and comfortable, at, you know, going up to, you know, somewhere else in the region, you know, going out with a friend and then jumping back on the bus to go home. That'd be so cool. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I I do think uh, there there are like Fayetteville's, uh, I mean, they have a transportation system that mm-hmm. does help out a lot of people, but there there's definitely a lot of room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely think transportation, communication, Meetings like cell phones, yeah, goes such a long way. I've yeah, and like you know, um, courts and like so we're back to systems, but like courts also just keeping the information updated on the publicly available tools, yeah, and um, that people have so that they can see like where their case is at is also super important. Yeah, because sometimes like I'm not I'm not trying to dog mm-hmm. on the people that that run court connect right, mm-hmm. but. I mean, sometimes it's not updated, and and it it can lead to a lot of issues. And during COVID too, mm-hmm. like just the courts, people the information wasn't online, yeah. so people miss court, or people still showed up. Yeah, and they they, they used their resource to. for that yeah. one day, and yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's stressful. But um, hopefully, you know, that in the, in the future that those systems can can be better. Uh, but I'm I'm not gonna. Uh, keep hope (laughs) at least not like in the in the near future but hopefully in the long-term future those systems get better and and, and are able to yeah 
to be more useful for folks. So, um, like we said, you left the Bell Project a few months ago, and you're focusing on your on your schooling mm-hmm. right now. But one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was the um, the Celine. What would you call it? What would you call that? So I do have a new Instagram, okay. <laughs> and it is Selena underscore Storytime. And so Selena Storytime, it actually during the pandemic, I really wanted to figure out a way to start doing like, you know, reading to kids. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, maybe I could do like a Mother Earth type thing or, um, you know, do a bilingual story time. And I couldn't really figure out how to do that. And I love to dress up as different characters. Selena is one that I had started doing. I've seen you dress up as Dora before. Yeah, I do Dora. Selena, I've done Frida Kahlo. I've done Ursula. Um, I do. um, Do you remember Audrey from uh, um, Atlantis? the um the cartoon atlantis oh, yeah, yeah. yeah i've done her um so i try to like take um latinas from you know fiction and, and non-fiction and and recreate that in mm. in irl and or again here in northwest arkansas so i was so i you know I ke- i've kept investing in my selena cosplay and that's one of my favorite and then i w- one day i was just like I literally woke up and I was like, what? Why don't I just do Selena story time? I already do Selena. And um, and, and there's books about Selena mm-hmm. um, written, you know. Those little, are the ones you read? Yeah. So I read Selena. Well, and then I, I have a, a, a growing collection of books from Lil Libros. The writer, her name is also Patty Rodriguez. <laughs> and so she doesn't know me, but, you know, maybe she'll hear this podcast yeah. or we could be, you know. BFFs. Patis. Patis by me. And uh, I started, you know, I've um, have done some some St- Selena story times at daycares. I've um, one of the bookstores here in Northwest Arkansas, and I um, have a couple of other things that were that'll be coming up. And I do I'm working on like how to MC and and working on the performance aspect of it as mm-hmm. well. But my heart is really in the bilingual story time and bringing a. Uh, somebody that looks like a character in a book to mm-hmm. life and in the classroom and in front of children and also connecting to maybe their parents and grandparents nostalgia mm. uh, so that, that's really cool for me and you got the you got the legendary selena purple dress I, yes Where'd her you purple get that jumpsuit um it was actually custom oh, it's a jumpsuit, made. Mm-hmm, it's a jumpsuit oh, so it's custom corrected. made <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I, I started the first um, time I did Selena. Um, I did like a Divas Latinas karaoke with um, with the Dos Locas um, in partnership with them. And I just had like an Amazon uh, jumpsuit that I, in, a, in some extensions. And then um, I was, I just kept trying to like, how can I, you know, step this up? I have like Selena cowgirl look. And I was, I found... Um, somebody who could make the purple jumpsuit and I ordered it custom for myself Um, and I'll give a shout out to Big Sister Studio um, Brandy Lee she's um, she's also Latina Mm -hmm. she's from Austin Texas and has been here in Northwest Arkansas for a while Um, she's a designer but one of her passions is also um, altering clothes and tailoring and um, she has helped me with like making sure some of my costumes are just 
perfect for me. So she actually just did that for me with with my iconic purple jumpsuit. And I'm so excited for the next event that I can't announce yet, Mm -hmm. but it will be in April. And as soon as I can announce it, you will know. Sounds good. We'll share about it here. Um, and then you, you, you were also Selena f- at Crystal Bridges, weren't you? Yes. Um, so when they had the Selena exhibit on loan um, with um, portraits of her, they, um, I got to, I was invited to do the gallery talk about Selena and discuss the art, discuss her in culture and in the U.S. and you know the what what does that mean? And I, I did it at Selena in the Gianni Canales like flamenco mm-hmm. um, outfit, and that is also a custom piece. Um, so I've invested a lot. <laughs> How do you feel about like getting that invitation from Crystal Bridges? And was it a moment where you were kind of like, oh, well, I guess people are noticing, you know, they want me to come to a museum and, and, and talk about this in an exhibit because that's that's a big deal. Yeah, I guess. Um, well, I'm the only person who does it in Northwest Arkansas. Still cool. Yeah, it, no, it is really cool. <laughs> it is really cool. And I don't want to downplay that. But uh, and I um, I guess I didn't realize how big of a deal that is until mm-hmm. like some people that I have relationships with that are you know work in the arts yeah um we're like no patty like it's like a big deal it's kind of a big deal mm-hmm. museums institutions don't invite re- i am a regular person i'm not um i only just started saying that i am a creative person mm-hmm. um because my identity is more in being a parent and mm-hmm. being a student Makes sense. being a social worker and um doing makeup or putting on costumes or playing or dancing are things that I do for joy. Um, and they, they allow me to continue to show up in community or to get those messages that people send me asking for resources or um, to show up in the work that I hope to do. And, and sometimes, you know, when you do those kind of things and, you, and you're passionate about it, that's when people notice. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's fun for you, for someone out, you know, out in the world can be like, man, she does a good job at this. Why not invite her to do this? Yeah. Because even because you're, you're enjoying it so much that it just looks so natural and it looks like something that people want to, you know, be a part of or, or, or have at their institutions. Yeah, it was. Um, I think they told me it had like one of the best turnouts oh, that's cool that they'd had and um of course you know my family runs deep so i had like a little tiny bit of my family there but there were people that i'd never met that showed up to mm. to talk about selena and her impact on um what does that look like for being a bicultural mexican-american person um because she grew up in a she didn't speak spanish growing yeah. up she learned spanish as a teenager she grew up in a very rural white town mm-hmm. um that's a corpus lot Corpus christi yeah well before corpus christi i am blanking but she grew up in she was born in east texas until mm. they went to corpus christi. i wonder what city it was um it's in one of my books and but she grew up in you know she was born in east texas there were no other tejanos no other people that mm. call themselves tejanos really living there and it was rural. It was, you know, it, a lot like Northwest Arkansas, and but with oil. Yeah. <laughs> um, Isn't that crazy that <laughs> at that time, you know, when she was coming up, there wasn't really anybody, la- like Latino, Mexican American wise. Yeah. Mexican American specifically. I think like right? only the the only other person I can think of before Selena is like maybe Linda Ronstadt, that like pop icon. 
Was she Mexican-American? Yeah. Oh, she was? She is, yeah. Latino-wise, I think of, like, Gloria Stefan. But I think her and Selena were close to the same time. Oh, they were? Miami Sound Machine, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I guess well, I guess that does make sense. I keep on mm-hmm. thinking of, of Selena being, like, a younger person. I mean, I think person, Gloria is, like, a little bit before Selena, but they are pretty 80s, close in time. Late 80s, yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, and so was Selena. That's true. That's so true. Um, but just the fact that she, what she was able to do, I feel like in, in a way she cr- still created a blueprint, you mm, know, for, absolutely. you know, for artists like Becky G, mm-hmm. you know, that are coming up. And or Selena Gomez, her namesake. Yeah, Selena Gomez, <laughs> who was named after Selena. Yeah. You know, I think it's also from Texas. True, true. And it's like, I don't know. I, I it's so brave for, for someone like her to, to do that at a time when there wasn't a blueprints to, on, on how to do it, you know? Yeah. And, and man, when she took over that stage, she just like. She just took over it. Absolutely. That final performance that that's all over In YouTube. The Astrodome. Like Jesus, when you watch that, you're like, man, like she knew how to take over a stage and, and just look so fearless. Fearless, and I think one of the things um, that I, you know, it, there was a strong connection for me with her when I was a little girl. That was the first time I. I was like, oh, she was born in the U.S. Oh, she sings in Spanish. Oh, you know, it was it. And then my friends who didn't come from Latino families or Latina families um, were also singing her songs and we would make up dances and make up music videos. And it was a way to connect across cultures. So with my white friends, with my black friends, with my Asian friends in elementary school. And um, but one of the biggest things about Selena that I think over time for me that I've continued to connect to. And she was such a young person when she passed away in her early 20s. Which is like, the anniversary is like in a few days, mm-hmm. right? In like eight days, eight yeah. or nine days? Yeah. Um, she was truly a wholesome person. And one of the the things, like literally until the moment that she died, was that she um, believed in the good in people. And mm-hmm. that's why she was showing up, was... You know, she she was a loving person and a wholesome human being. Um, I'm definitely not as wholesome as she was, but <laughs> um, but I think that's something that I strive towards um, being as well as just you know non-judgmental, positive regard, mm-hmm. um, and then um, my my bio is like. Um, intensely committed to wholesome fun because there is a lot of suffering out here. There's a lot of really hard stuff. um, And I never want to minimize that. And um, I, I want to create spaces or provide spaces where people can reconnect with what play is for them and what play or what magic or what dressing up or music or dance or rolling down a hill or trying, you know, like literally doing like a, (laughs) literally doing like a mom, (laughs) look at me, you know, mom. Yeah. Uh, Which one thing I, uh, one of the things that I admire from you is that you're not embarrassed or ashamed of doing things that other people will be ashamed and embarrassed of doing. Uh, me, I, I tend to be a little bit more on the serious side publicly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's because the running for office thing kind of messed me up a little bit, but um, I remember one time, I, f- I forgot who it was, someone came up to me and was like, yeah, I think I just saw Patricia Rodriguez dancing in the park. <laughs> 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 and I was like, yep, that's probably yeah. her. Sure yeah. enough, I checked your Instagram and you had, and you like had posted something about like just meeting up at a park to dance or something yeah. like that, which I, I admire that you have like, 
I don't even I don't even know if the bravery is the correct word. I think it's more of just like the I don't give a f <laughs> attitude. And I'm just gonna have fun. Yeah, you know? I mean, and and that's yeah. I just need like one person to join my shenanigans. If one person <laughs> says yes, yeah. I will, you know, or I will join somebody else's shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I hear you, Irvin, of, um, you know, kind of feeling like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. But I mean, so you roll down a hill. Yeah. And <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of, you know, like it felt good. Um, mm-hmm. It felt good to play. Um, it felt good to dance. It feels good to dance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, moving my body. I'm releasing, you know, anxious energy or pain. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm learning how to, um, because I did spend so much of my life um, living for others. Yeah. And I, um, it's time to kind of mm-hmm. live not entirely for myself, but create time and space for myself where others are welcome. Mm, I like that. And right now, you know, like you left the Bell Project, you're working on your school. Um, what do you What do you see your goals being? Like, what do you want to do? Uh, you're, you're getting your master's. In, is it in psychology? Social work. Social work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think you want to be a therapist, right? Unless, mm-hmm. unless things have changed since the no, last few correct. weeks I spoke with you. That is still correct. Okay. What does it look like for you in the future uh, yeah. here in this area? What do you want to do? Um, so in the short term, just because of how licensure stuff is, I'll probably work for an agency. Um, it's unlikely that I would go to like a private practice. So I'm thinking, um, there's a lot of homework between now and then that I have to do. So I'm hopeful, um, that I'll be maybe doing some school-based, um, therapy in Northwest Arkansas. I really want to work with like junior high or high school aged folks, um, but one of the things that's really, really uh, like turning through my head is our, um, figuring out how to create um, spaces for friendship and understanding among young people. Mm-hmm. And then also kind of learning how to navigate um, kind of the thing that we talked about in the beginning that bicultural relationship between parents and their child or caregivers and the children Mm. that they they um care for and learning how to come together as a unit and navigating the the new english-speaking world around them Mm. um there's a lot of research that supports that children because you don't want to be assimilated but you also don't want to be um and I can't think of the word right now, but you also want you isolated. Uh, yeah. You, well, yeah. Isolated. So you, you don't want to fully you still want to honor and connect with your culture of origin and respect your family and feel a connectedness to it and then learn how to make that part of your identity alongside the the country where you live and the country mm. that you were maybe born in so you can thrive and and that so that you do feel confident in who you are that mm. you do have a foot in both worlds and and you're walking this path of this third experience and mm. um and feel comfortable and confident and self-assured in it definitely and and one of the ways that we learn how to do that is again from you know a lot of research shows this is is through friendship and our families Mm -hmm. um so if we're surrounded by friends who um 
and I think I'm fascinated by this because I didn't have that opportunity. I didn't have um, other friends who came from Spanish-speaking families until I was in junior high. And, um, you know, and I was, like, craving this attention and that I started some high-risk behaviors, mm. um, doing drugs and drinking and going to parties and hanging mm. out with men who were way too old, which is a whole other podcast. <laughs> and, you know, I became a mom at 15. Mm. And so I was also very privileged to have parents that were able to provide support to me. I was always insured. I mean, like, there's a lot of things that were made it possible for me to be here right now yeah. um and there were a lot of things that happened that made my life harder mm-hmm. and um because i recognize both of those things i really want to work in a way that um that creates healing and oppor- opportunities yeah. and and can create protection around families and children mm, i like that I feel like when you told me these these plans that you had uh, a few, I forgot what it was. I think it might have been, I forgot if it was on your birthday or, mm-hmm. or if it, actually, no, it was it was on your last day with the Bell Project. Oh, we went yeah. to go have some barbecue. Yeah. Remember that? And we got to go play on those. Uh, yeah, we went to Locomotion. <laughs> it felt good to be, it felt good. Like, we went and played. Like, I, I don't know, I last, I I don't have shame of, of, of you know, getting on a car mm-hmm. and playing, but. With you, it kind of felt like extra good. It was like, oh, she's she's down for like all these little things too that that maybe I enjoyed a lot when I was a little kid. Yeah, and I enjoyed it as an adult too. It yeah. was a good day. It's it was so sad fun. that you were leaving. Yeah. that you were leaving the organization. But I was like, man, if 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 you're gonna leave the organization, go out with the bang, you yeah. know. And then you beat me at like the carts. Go I, th- carts. I thought I was gonna be a little bit faster, <laughs> but I wasn't. So it's all right. Um, but I th- I think that you probably had more experience in them than I did, but um. I, I'm really excited for, for what you'll do in the future. You know, I think I'm, I'm hoping that this school experience is a good one and that, and that you gain all the knowledge that you want to get. And then once you're done, you know, like I'm excited about seeing all these plans of yours come into fruition. Yeah. And uh, grateful for you as a person, the fact that you're always a good resource for, for not only myself, but for other people in the community. And uh, I feel like everybody else that knows you is going to be excited to see what you do next. Oh, no geez. pressure, though. <laughs> well, for now, it's going to be, um, you know, maybe just being a therapist at an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of work. So I won't be as active on social meds. But, <laughs> um, but outside of, you know, like the nine to five, whatever yeah. that is, I will definitely be doing more Selena story time. Nice. Um, because that will be my playtime. That's mm-hmm. That is where I get a lot of joy and connection and um and then just getting to have a chance to show that like you can i i look forward to the day where i get to be a geriatric selena and i just have gray hair <laughs> and and it's like a reimagining of of selena um, who's aged and and reading to, selena to Gra- kids. they'll call you like uh you have like to have a new name abuelita selena, abuelita selena. <laughs> yeah, <maybe>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh well patricia i appreciate you making the time for this podcast episode um we need to do an episode specifically focused on selena i think that'd be a good one specifically since her death date's coming up yeah i think it'd be good and her birthday's in april okay maybe we can do april yeah. uh we'll figure out what time works yeah. good for you it's definitely going to be an event in april so okay Maybe we can do it a little bit close to that. Yeah. As a Selena, a Selena podcast episode. Because I have two other people, actually three people, one including Maida, who is a big fan. And then <laughs> my former coworker, Abigail, who's a big fan too. She sings. She dressed up as Selena one time oh, for, for uh, Halloween. I dressed up as Richie Valens. Oh, that's um, great. So ha- having all three of you here, I think, would be a great episode. And we all talk- do like Selena. Huh? 
Huh? And we all dress up as Selena. We could. I'll dress up <laughs> as something else, but <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know give me a give me that Selena. You uh, could do like a cowgirl. jumpsuit. I'll, I'll yeah. wear. It. I don't care. Uh, I think it'd be fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, I appreciate you making the time. And for everybody listening, that was episode 181 of the District Three Podcast with Patricia Rodriguez. Hope you all have a good rest of y'all's week. Thank you.